What is up? What is up? Welcome to the Terrible Wrestling Takes Podcast with me, your host, The Bishop, TW Takes. Do not forget, do not forget, review if you do, rate if you feel. Follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. If you need to, email me with all your terrible takes at bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. It's now time for more terrible wrestling takes. My oh my, another awesome pay-per-view by NXT. It's just what they do, man. They just put on the best pay-per-views. And it's it's odd because going to this one, we really didn't know what the true outcomes would be. You know, with the draft coming up and who we like and what stories have been being told. It felt like all the winners were going to be obvious. And, I mean, they kind of were, and I took a stretch on my predictions. But the the thing is, you have Candace and Johnny doing the Gargano way, and both of them lose. It's like Timothy Thatcher doing his shoot videos and lose. Where are we building cred- credibility in this? So I really thought that on the, the flyers of my prediction, having Candace beat EO would be the look because EO could then go to the main roster and help out up there. You know, it just in the, in the prediction aspect of it. But, you know, no title changes tonight really, really threw me off. I, I really thought we would have some, some title changes here uh, and seemingly, you know, for good reason. But only two, you know, I, I thought that we would get Swerve Scott winning and I thought we would get Candice winning because that's just kind of how I felt the stories of NXT were going. Now, in the overall... Let me start out with a quick summary. The overhaul of the PC into the Capitol Wrestling Center turned out way better than I thought it would. The Performance Center had a really good look to it when they were doing Raw, SmackDown, and NXT out of there. But this this was pretty cool. Um, I don't necessarily like the video boards up on the walls for the fans. I like it for the entrances, but with the fans up there and the gap between the real fans underneath, I I don't know. It'll take some time to get used to, but... I, when it's all said and done, it's not going to matter. Um, but it looks more like a warehouse than it does an arena or a stadium. The way the Thunderdome and even, you know, this past week's episode of NXT looks. So, but that's just, you know, nitpicky on the Capitol Wrestling Center. Another quick takeaway. The women's division in NXT has upgraded tremendously. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with the draft, but... At the conclusion of the women's match, we have Tony Storm announcing her return to NXT and NXT proper, not NXT UK, which I'm all for. Like I said, after the very first Mae Young Classic, I was all over Tony Storm. I, she was just absolutely phenomenal. Her and Piper Niven were my two. And then after the Tony Storm reveal, lo and behold, turns out Ember Moon was the one who the night vision vignettes were about if nobody gets drafted the women's division at nxt is like triple top notch right now we just got two former nxt champions albeit tony storm in uk but her and ember moon enter this division yes please (laughs) let's go you know i'm all about women's wrestling and and those two coming onto the scene would be fantastic and the last overall takeaway i have is halloween havoc is back now, we talk about Halloween Havoc with reverence, and I've said this before. 
Uh, most of the Halloween Havoc pay-per-views gave us great matches, but they were all such hokey, shitty decoration concept. You know, it was it was so campy. It was so ridiculous. It was always mostly revealing the curtain on how ridiculous wrestling is. And if anyone's going to pull off Halloween Havoc, I think NXT will, for sure. For sure. And the internet's favorite female wrestler, Shotzi Blackheart, is going to be hosting it. Uh, what a perfect combo. What a perfect fucking combo. Uh, of course, more eyes will see it on USA on October 28th. But, yes, October 31st is a Saturday. Would love to have Halloween Havoc on Halloween. So maybe this is a test run, and next year we'll get Halloween Havoc on Sunday the 31st. I think that would be so so awesome. So those are the general takeaways. And then uh, let's just get into match by match. You know, the show started off with Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano. Uh, it really just looked like an ass whooping to start with. And I'm a little bothered that this is Damian Priest's first takeover match, you know, with the belt because he should work up to someone like Johnny Gargano. You know, that's he's he's boss level in NXT. You know, you can't just start out your run facing, you know, one of the GOATs in NXT on a pay-per-view. But, you know, they got a great match out of it. It was it was really fun. I was a little thrown, though, because it seemed like for damn near three-quarters of the match to start that Damian Priest was just having his way. And, you know, definitely Gargano got some things in here and there, but it was overall just showing that Damian Priest was too much for him. And Gargano got in his offense, and it it just never really seemed like Johnny was going to win. And that's fine, because I didn't think he should win, but, you know, why are we having the match if it doesn't look like Johnny can win? It was a really fun match that I thought lacked a little bit of drama. It gave us, you know, really good technical wrestling, really good power moves, uh, some cool spots, but I thought it lacked the believability that Johnny was going to win, so I can't really rate it you know, super high, but if you want a really fun and entertaining match, it's there. But, you know, of course, with wrestling, it has to be deeper than that. It has to be deeper than just entertaining because anything can entertain you. You know, you can play Go Fish with your family, and that's entertaining. You know, is it endgame level movie quality entertaining? No. And I'm not saying that this match had to be, but, you know, that's the difference. So, uh, you know, I thought it was a good match, but, you know, give me a little bit more because this is TakeOver. In, in what this is, every every match has its own thing. And this match in particular, you know, basically solidifies Damian Priest as a North American champion. So now Johnny can go on to other things. After that, we had one of the matches I was looking forward to the most because, you know, I really thought this would be the starting point to the rocket ship for Kushida. Kushida versus Velveteen Dream is is a match that, you know, six months ago, you don't think is happening. A year ago, you don't think it's happening. Kushida was was placed out there as his gimmick, you know, just the time splitter, rocking the vest and all that. And and I, it's a cool gimmick. It's semi original. It you know he's saying that what he does is futuristic and 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 I've always been down with it, but I, I need something that draws me into in the ring, and that's what we've been getting since he came back. Like I said last episode. They're calling it a heel turn, and it's not. It's not a heel turn. It's him being more aggressive. The two people he attacked since being back were heels. So doesn't him doing that make him 
a baby face with aggression. So as long as we can continue to see this Kushida, I don't see why he can't be the one to defeat Finn Balor at, in, in, in my guess at TakeOver Royal Rumble. You know, this match against Velveteen, which let me say this, to start out, Velveteen coming out dressed like Doc Brown with the dyed hair and all that shit is hysterical. Like I said, I, I can only judge what I see on TV. And since Kushida's known for the Back to the Future gimmick, Velveteen coming out with the Doc Brown gear, I fuck with it. it that's the kind of stuff added into wrestling that propels the next step of what the story is being told. And that disrespect that he gave to Kushida, Kushida gave back in the ring. And this match was an absolute beatdown. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Now look, based on, you know, the actual roster and all that, I get it. With my my guess of him being championed by Royal Rumble or at the Royal Rumble takeover is a stretch and, and most likely not gonna happen, but it's the, the, the presentation makes a lot of sense. And I, I just, you know, I would like to see something out of the ordinary build to that. And this, this is the kind of beginning I think he's getting. So, but after that match, we had the Cruiserweight Championship match. Swerve Scott versus Santos Escobar. And for as much as we had some, you know, beat down and technical stuff tonight, this was the acrobatic display of the night. And it didn't let down, that's for sure. Uh, I thought it was going to be my match of the night. It wasn't. Um, and that's okay. You know, you're wrong in these predictions sometimes. Swerve Scott was fucking unbelievable. And I mean, shout out to Santos Escobar too. And maybe I watched Swerve Scott a little bit closer because I wanted him to win. And I still think he should have won. You know, uh, Santos Escobar's faction really isn't getting off the ground. It's, you know, the Lucha House party with no silliness, all aggression, and cohesion. But it's it's not on Front Street, and him having the championship doesn't help in that. And again, maybe it's because I don't watch 205 Live, but when they're presented on NXT, um, I'm not buying in, and him staying the champion doesn't make sense. I'd much rather Swerve Scott have it, be presented on NXT, give us the opportunity to watch a champion go to work every week, and have Santos Escobar and his two guys, you know, start stirring shit up again. I mean, they were attacking the tag team champions, and they've still yet to really have an all-out brawl with them. So why not give them the opportunity to turn into that direction and maybe put Santos Escobar, you know, vying for that North American championship or some shit like that. So I don't know. That's That was just my opinion. Uh, it's It was a fantastic match, some really decent storytelling in the ring, and you know, champion prevailing, and, you know, I was a little little bothered by the Adonis run-in, you know, because, I mean, if Escobar has a faction, I mean, it's where Scott has homies, but he doesn't need somebody to get his back, especially if he's going to lose. Let him lose because the faction interfered, and call it a day. But instead, you brought out Ashanti, the Adonis, who put on a great match last week, and he comes out to help rid of the faction, and the match keeps going and going. It's like, well, well why bring him out at all if they're not going to be the reason Swerve Scott loses? Or if they come out 
then make it be the reason that Swerve Scott advanced. Like, it just doesn't make sense. Nothing nothing of that part added up. So why do it at all? But, you know, the, the rest of the match and how they, you know, dueled back and forth, that psychology of it def- definitely worked. You know, I just don't know why the faction had to come out just because they are homies. And then it could have led to a distracting a distraction victory for Santos Escobar, and then it didn't, so it was a good false finish, but I don't know, man. Again, another really fun match, you know, that that lacked just a little bit of the oomph. So if you're just watching to watch cool shit, I mean, the cool shit definitely happened, but, you know, I like, especially in these pay-per-view times, for, for everything to make sense. You know, so the guys coming out and not being decisive in the victory... Unless Swerve Scott and Ashanti the Adonis are going to be a tag team, then I don't know why this part happened at all. And unfortunately for me and my predictions, it was not match of the night. Uh, but, it, you know, it was quality. It wasn't up near the top of any. So, you know, whatever. But good match. Really need to see Swerve Scott do something, you know, in the future, near future, that's important so we can see him on screen often, very often. So, but after that, for me... Actually, was match of the night. I think Candice LeRae and Io Shirai really did the best job of all the aspects of wrestling, minus the finish. Now, look, I, I called for the beginning of this that Candice LeRae would walk out of here champion, mostly because I think the story of the Gargano way needs to go to a victor. And the way that these two were telling the story going into this pay-per-view, that the only one that seemed logical to win would have been Candace. She earned her way into the spot. She didn't go out there and try to take her spot. She actually earned it in the Battle Royal. And she hasn't really been given the spotlight except for in the Gargano Way vignettes. And when you look at what you can do to tell the story afterwards, I mean, the ending of this match kind of proved that. So Johnny comes out in a referee shirt and seemingly helping out Candace. And I'm sorry, anytime you get hit with the title belt, it should be Dunzo. And Candace didn't get the victory over Io after hitting her with the title belt. And I thought that was a big mistake. But this match from beginning to end was just a really, really good. I mean, we've had some outstanding wrestling matches lately. And, you know, I think actually the, the Rhea Ripley-Mercedes Martinez match was better than this one. But this pay-per-view, this was definitely the best match. Uh, one of the better NXT matches this year as well. I, I mean, who cares, right? Even what, what is the best match, what isn't. Because at the end of the day, wrestling's subjective. At the end of the day, wrestling's just a TV show, right? But as far as performances tonight, this is my favorite one. They put on one heck of a wrestling match. It looked like Candice could have won at any point in time. EO was showing her championship strength. And I thought it was, in, you know, really, really, really well done. Uh, front to back. All the technical work that they did. Just, it's just outstanding. You know, but the, the personal gripe I have. And, and I'll tell you this before I, I shit on it again. The cool thing that they did that you don't really see. They did a double ref bump in this one. Candace went for a pin. And when EO kicked out, Candace arm flung and hit the referee in the face. And then... You don't even think about it. They start wrestling again. EO goes to do a moonsault, catches knees to the stomach, rolls into the ref, boom. Now the ref is knocked out. I thought that was really, really cool. It opened the window for Johnny Referee. Now, like I just said, 
Johnny comes down in a referee uniform. This is his opportunity to really fuck with this match and give Candice the victory. Find that way. And they almost fucking got there. So they did everything within the Gargano way to get there. Now the Garganos together have the ability to determine the outcome of the match. So even opponents going forward can say, oh, the Gargano way is by cheating and, you know, things like that. And I really think they missed the mark by not not going for it. Now, EO as champ, you know, if you watch this match, when you're watching EO Shirai, it's hard to not see her as champion. And I think... I think that might be part of the hard part for NXT as well. But, you know, again, based on how this match went, I don't think EO goes anywhere anyway. You know, I thought maybe she would lose to Candice and then give up give up the title and then get drafted and all that. But going forward, EO's in the right spot. And even as champion, it's definitely, you know, the right spot. But I can't get past the fact that they've been telling this story of the Gargano way. Neither Gargano wins, so the way is useless, you know, and, and to, to again, <laughs> third time I'm saying it, right? Johnny has the referee shirt on, gives Candace the belt on the sneak. Candace uses the belt. The referee, it wasn't immediately, but the referee did the count. EO kicks out, and then not too much later, EO lands the moonsault for the victory, and I found that to be a little bit of fuckery there. It, it definitely could have been... Could have been done better, a little bit more credibility on Candice and the belt. But I tell you, she Candice wrestled tonight as if she was the champion. So I would absolutely love to see Candice as a champion sometime soon. And I wanted her to win to be the champion, like I said in the, the preview episode, so Johnny could be the mic man, come out hyping his wife. Because you saw when, when EO kicked out and Johnny was on the side, he was in such disbelief that it didn't happen. Could you imagine him being the Paul Heyman for Candice LeRae? Like, that would just be phenomenal. Johnny Gargano as Paul Heyman would be just absolutely awesome. Yes, we would lose his in-ring work, but right now he's in such a holding pattern. Like I said, he was just a stepping stone to solidify Damian Priest. You don't have to do that anymore. So I really think they missed the mark by by not doing that. And that that psychology of the storytelling is why, you know, it's it's hard to to rank these matches all the time because as as far as, you know, actual TV time and what we saw and looked at, it was an absolutely awesome match. But what does it do for the rest of it going forward? And, you know, maybe that's for me just that that little bit of a mistake that, you know, could have could have made this match better. And it's not out of favoritism because I like EO better than Candice. But as far as how the stories were being told, you know, for me, it really was, you know, Candice's time to to get that title and let Johnny and Candice tell us how the Gargano way really is a successful thing. At the conclusion of the match, though, we got my one of my biggest takeaways of the night. And having Tony Storm and Ember Moon back into this women's division is fucking incredible. Uh, I'll save my my full-on terrible wrestling take until after the draft on October 12th, I think it is, when when Monday Night Raw's draft is complete. Because after that one's done, we'll definitely know, you know, kind of where everyone lays out. 
Now, I definitely think there's only a couple people on the fence, but even when they did the first draft and, what was it, Alexa Bliss got drafted, uh, you know, people are like, what? You know, and then turns out she's the best. But only a couple people really on the fence. Ray Ripley, Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox, even though she has the ACLs. But other than that, I mean, maybe Candice LeRae. I just don't see it, though. I mean, all said and done, it may really just be Ray Ripley, the only one getting drafted. I I don't necessarily see anyone else getting moved from NXT, at least on the women's side, up to WWE on, on Raw or SmackDown. But Ray Ripley belongs up there. Like I said, she's pound for pound, age for age, gender for gender, the best wrestler on the planet right now. And she deserves to be on the main stage. She's put in all the work necessary. So, you know, we'll see what happens in the in the women's division there. But, you know, with with Tony Storm and Amber Moon coming back, I mean this this women's division is is just growing and growing. I mean Zia Lee too, what she's done the last two weeks on NXT has looked amazing. So look, we, we really have that regrowth of the women's division in NXT and I'm all here for it. So, on to the last match of the night. Kyle O'Reilly takes on Finn Balor for Finn's NXT Championship. And it was definitely way better than I expected. Even though I know all you guys, or most of you guys, are very familiar with Kyle O'Reilly from his Ring of Honor days. Uh, I'm not. And everything in his tag team matches, I mean, definitely seemed like a great wrestler. And, you know, I, I don't really look at him as a tag team wrestler you got to look at people how they step in the ring and what they look like and he definitely always seemed to have a very solid skill set so it was good to see him in this capacity so it, it was technically sound I mean just hold for hold move for move just a technical masterpiece but I never once felt like Kyle was going to win the story I got in the match was that O'Reilly is just not strong enough to compete with Finn Balor. And it was about what does O'Reilly have to do to get through Balor as opposed to how good Finn is in not allowing his opponent to beat him. You know, so so Finn basically just sold his ass off the entire match. And, and you know, and, and rightfully so. I mean, that's, that's the dance they did, right? And it was taking everything O'Reilly has... And still gets the win. O'Reilly basically used Finn Balor as a practice dummy. You know, all the moves he can. And it was it was great. You know, but again, the story that they told me was that O'Reilly can do all this stuff. And Finn is compromised. But it doesn't necessarily look like he's going to lose. I never got the feeling like, oh shit, O'Reilly's about to win. It just never felt that way. And maybe that's on Finn, his ability to sell. I, I don't know. But... Even even with the late knee bar, it didn't feel like like Finn was gonna lose. All the damage that was taken and how how it was locked in and everything. I just didn't it just didn't feel that way. And Finn is be if he's being built that strong, then you know maybe that's something different. But and you know if we had to say you know if offense is time of possession here, I mean it seemed like O'Reilly had seventy percent on offense this entire match. Yet Finn Balor was able to to beat him. So. You know, this is kind of my opinion of the match. I, I thought it was, you know, kind of like the rest of the night where, you know, all the matches, you know, you could just tell who was going to win, you know. 
the the closest to where the challenger was actually going to win, it seemed like, was Candice LeRae. They were, they were telling a little bit different story in the ring on how, you know, basically seemed like Candice was going to be the winner. Uh, and she probably should have been. So, but great match, great pay-per-view. Uh, all, all, all in all, uh, you know, another great takeover. Uh, it's not up there, up there with takeovers. Uh, match quality, though, I mean, for sure. Storytelling in the matches, maybe not. But, like I said, in the overall, a really fantastic pay-per-view. I enjoyed it. It was not a waste of two and a half hours on a Sunday night, for sure. But, going forward, you know, it's pretty interesting to kind of see what's being laid out. You know, at the end of the match, they go to do the the sign of respect. And Ridge Holland comes out carrying Adam Cole. And Finn Balor looked at Kyle O'Reilly and basically said, I had no idea. Now, people are speculating that Finn Balor is going to start a faction. I don't see that happening. Uh, he, he came in to NXT as a lone wolf. He came into NXT as the man above them all. So I don't see why he would gather a faction. doesn't make sense. But what this may do is re-solidify Undisputed Era. So anyone concerned about them getting drafted, I don't think it's going to happen. It, it, to me, it seems like they're going to they're gonna stay together and figure out how to beat down Ridge Holland. So we'll see where that story goes on Wednesday. And after the draft, once these these three rosters are set, it's, it's, it's when WWE should be taking off. I can't believe I keep saying this since SummerSlam, but when you look at the stories being told across the entire shows you know this this nxt or even on the last couple pay-per-views for the main roster raw and smackdown smackdown's given us this long-term roman Reigns story and this long-term alexa bliss story raw is not really giving us much except placeholder success but that's what this nxt was tonight it was a placeholder success you know no title changes and they gave us one non-title match and boosted that particular character in Kushida. So uh, a new storyline developed with Ridge Holland in the Undisputed Era. But if that's the case, then we're looking at no natural contender for Finn Balor right now. No natural contender for Damian Priest right now. No natural contender for Io Shirai unless you want to count Ember Moon and Tony Storm because they're former champions that showed up. And that's how that usually works on the main roster, right? So looking forward to what's going to happen. We're going to have a nice little reset. We'll see where we land this Wednesday if they start to develop any stories. Because also, Brizongo wasn't on the pay-per-view. So we have to add in what's going to happen with the tag team division. And we'll see where everything kind of rolls when it comes to NXT. The big two days are going to be Friday SmackDown on October 9th. We're the first night of the draft. And then Monday Raw on the 12th with the second night of the draft and by by that Wednesday the 14th things will be flat for roster movements there shouldn't be any more ins and outs so you know we'll kind of just see how things go again all in all fantastic pay-per-view and I got nothing else so with that being said review if you do rate if you feel follow me at TW Takes Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Share your terrible wrestling takes via my pinned tweet. 
Email me, bishoptwtakes at gmail.com. Until next time.